welcome everyone to episode 45 of the VGC Trainer School podcast, where we focus on the competitive side of Pokemon. Whether you are a ladder scholar or newcomer to VGC, we will help you learn. Class is in session. I'm Jake, and I am joined today by two phenomenal co-hosts, Tim and John. So Tim, welcome back two episodes in a row. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Just being busy with keeping the new lab mouse site running. New lab mouse site? What do you mean? <laughs> well, yes, for anyone who's been keeping attention on the lab mouse discord bot that was down for a couple months due to uh, various issues with discord. And I really gave a kick in the pants to get the uh, website up and running, which I had been kind of secretly working on in the background for the last several months. So it's finally up and it's uh, it provides the exact same data as the discord bot would, but in a significantly easier to understand and read format. That's awesome. And so you had your your massive like rollout, your release, and it's all uh, it's all ready to go. That's that's so exciting, man. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. It's really cool. Um, well, we're certainly going to going to dive into that a little bit more, and we're going to be using it um, when we discuss the uh, topic that we have on hand. Um, but before we do that, also welcoming in John. John, how are you doing? It's been a bit. Welcome back. It has been a bit. Thanks. Um, yeah, it's been a bit since uh, uh, Peoria. And since I've had, uh, you know, I'm not going to another, I don't think I'm going to another Reg E regional. Um, so I have like a few months to just mess around with, with a few things. And I think um, a couple of teams we've been working on, or I've been working on with a, a few other people have been uh, like a great Tusk wheezing team. Um, which kind of takes the idea of, uh, of of wheezing plus all the paradox mons, but sticks Great Tusk on there because Great Tusk hates Intimidate. And if you stick wheezing next to Great Tusk, well, then you don't have to worry about any Intimidates. And if you have Scarf with Ice Spinner, you can just nuke all the Landruses that would want to Intimidate you anyway. Um, so that's the concept. I run a couple games on Low Ladder and it works fine, but... Uh, We'll see how it actually stands up to good teams. Um, it's at least a fun team to mess around with. And then um, I still need to figure out my Monkey Dory team. I have I have a six. I just need to iron it out a bit more through some repetitions. But um, yeah, I'm just enjoying uh, you know some pet projects and then draft league um, with my favorite monkey too. That's that's very fun. And like and with the the Great Tusk, it has the benefit obviously of um headlong rush so you don't have to be worrying about like your spread eq damage hitting your own you know side poison type so that's pretty cool i, I like that a lot especially since the protosynthesis isn't getting turned off but those intimidates are um are you also running like a like a talon flame on there or like a tornadus or something like that that way you do have that tailwind uh eq damage if you want it so actually we have tailwind on roaring moon because roaring moon and wheezing fit like a glove uh, because dark types really don't like fairy types but fairy types are weak to poison types so you have that like dark slash poison coverage which is really really nice to have on the team and then roaring moon is commonly going to be terra flying so you can do terra flying next to your ground type um, i ditched earthquake pretty early on because i realized basically nothing else on the team <laughs> wanted to sit next to earthquakes and uh I realized that having a second rock slide user in addition to Arcanine on the team was going to be a lot more helpful than having some spread ground damage. Um, so unfortunately no EQ flying stuff, but we still have, we still have the tailwind stuff on the team anyways. That makes a ton of sense, especially since if you're going to be using, you know, it more like for that, like single target, you know, high DPS kind of stuff. That is, uh, that's fun. That's that's really cool, and, and I'm always a big fan of Great Tusk. So being able to bring it back is is very, very neat. And Draft League as well. You mentioned um, got another victory under your belt. That's very exciting. 
people just don't bring haze. <laughs> I'm using Alolan muck stuff and people just don't bring haze. <laughs> and I'm like, you can't come to this battle without haze. <laughs> yeah, you have to have it on at least one thing or or else minimize Moody just goes bananas. It really does. It really does. And unfortunately, I couldn't. I brought the monkey on the team this week, but I couldn't use him in battles because they actually did prep well enough to for me to not be able to use the monkey well. So I'll have to fling some monkey poo another time. That sounds like a great, great plan. I I, I do enjoy your uh, your your prep ahead of time because you're just like, uh, what should I fling this week, guys? <laughs> Figure it out. Um. But cool. That is uh, that's very exciting uh, for me personally. I've been actually a little sick, so I do apologize. I'm trying to mute myself as best as possible. Uh, but if I do cough into your ear, I do. I do apologize on that. Um, but honestly, for me, not so much in the way of too much ladder uh, laddering, I suppose. But I did do some of the Blissey raids. So that was that was kind of fun just to do that while I was watching some, uh, you know, spooky television with my wife as it is the spooky season um draft league going well also another win that was cool and uh yeah just kind of enjoying this time of year i just love you know leaves changing colors and all that kind of stuff just trying to like be outside as much as possible so we'll see as it gets colder i'll maybe i'll hunker down a little bit more and do some more you know online stuff but um i did really enjoy the leal stream there were some of course some issues and whatnot but i think that was probably like the the most vgc related thing i've done recently just because uh i think like having the the open team sheet was was really nice but we'll we'll get to that kind of stuff we do have some stuff that we're going to be getting into for today because we are going to be talking about the leal regional so we have some notes and some things we want to discuss about how that regional went and also we do have some news of course as always so let's jump into that now the world cup of pokemon not soccer the world cup of pokemon hosted by victory road so the production company that put on leal regionals actually is coming to a close in the group stage so some noteworthy squads moving on to the next round include Germany, Spain, Italy, Japan, and the United Kingdom, with many others as well. The top eight from last year did not participate in the group stage, so they had like an automatic buy into um, the later the later rounds. Uh, for those of you who don't know what the World Cup of Pokemon is, it's, it, it's like the World Cup of, of Soccer, where you have players from around the world um, playing for their own countries, but this time it's Pokemon. And what's really cool about the World Cup is that you get to see like all these high level players from all around the world saying, I want to use my spicy text. I want to use what I think is a good call into my opponent, you know, week after week after week. Um, and so we'll get into um, some of those innovations that might have come from the World Cup. But if you're looking for inspiration on teams or like a unique pick here and there, uh, if you go, if you type in World Cup, Pokemon VGC, you can probably find the website uh, super easily. And we'll put that website in the show notes for you to check out yourself. But if you go to the matches part and then click on like the country and the matches, you can see at least the six Pokemon, not the team, not the moves or anything, but you can see like which Pokemon people were using. So some of those spicy picks were like Grip Dragalge of all things, like the little uh, seahorse looking guy and several Okidogi players. Very cool. Yeah, I think moving on to the next stage and because like, they do stream some of those matches. So it's it's really neat to be able to watch how they all play out because it's like there's going to be a team of I think what is it like eight matches, like eight players on each team will, will battle it out to be able to figure out that uh, like you get, you know, the first one of five wins basically wins yep. that interaction. So, yep, exactly. Cool. I think it's it's really neat the way they do that. Uh, we're we're talking to, to Swamp about it because he is um, on the Switzerland team, and it's like you don't necessarily need to be from that country, but sort of just have some level of you know heritage from there. So there's it's still it's still neat for uh, for this like event to be put on, and it's all entirely grassroots. So I think that's that's really cool. So 
Um, cool. And Tim, can you please take this exciting, spooky next one? Absolutely. So the next raid event has been announced, and it's one of the most iconic ghost types in the history of Pokemon. That's right. It's a five-star ghost Terra, Miss Magius, who will be in Scarlet and Violet. Uh, playing into the Halloween theme, defeating these raids will yield higher numbers of rare candies. This will run the weekend October 27th through the 31st. And Miss Magus is definitely one of the most probably iconic Halloween kind of themed Pokemon. They're right up there with Pumpkaboo. Yeah, because it's like it's like super witchy and all that. So like I get it. It's just maybe there could have been a mix of them like that could have been cool. I don't know. I feel like, like uh, yeah, Pumpkaboo Pump and Trevenant definitely have the kind of spooky Halloween feel along with Miss Megas, and it would make perfect sense for them to have a group of uh, raids this time around. Yeah. I don't think Pumpkaboo's in the game, is it? I don't, it is not, unfortunately. No, not yet. I, I'm surprised about that because it, it feels like that one always comes hand in hand with Trevenant, who is mm -hmm. in the game. Yeah. Pumpkaboo is fun because it has like all the different forms based on the sizes and stuff. And like they all have different stats. Like that's so bizarre to me. And okay. Gorgeist, the evolved form, actually got results in like series one or two or whatever of, of Sword and Shield. I'll say that Gorgeist is a lot that's of fun cool. in Draft League because you can choose the size. And yeah, the that, that's speed. what I meant. Yeah. Yes. Is it, was it like the, the small one is really fast and the big one is like really slow and but like bulky or something? Exactly. And the fun thing to do was um, to use Trick or Treat, which is the move that adds the ghost type to one of your Pokemon. So you could Trick or Treat your uh, Tyranitar and it no longer is affected by uh, fighting moves. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, so uh, get your ghost Terras shards i guess fighting down miss magius um yeah and then that sort of concludes how the halloween event um if you haven't picked up your electric terra mimic you in gamestop i think that's still going on as well all right and this is the last piece of news that we have here is just something that popped up recently and it was that nintendo updated their community tournament guidelines specifically for events that cover cash prizes and their update includes notes that tournaments may include up to participants for 200 people for in-person events or up to 300 participants for online tournaments but that organizers collecting fees must publicly disclose all accounting related to the costs of hosting the event promptly including entry fees admission fees and prizes distributed and also that the entry fees collected may only be used for covering those costs of organizing the tournaments and not towards prizes. So this created a little bit of a kerfuffle with, within the Pokemon community of, is this going to be affecting locals and, and whatnot? So it has been reviewed by some legal experts, and it looks like it's not going to affect Pokemon in any way since TPCI is separate from Nintendo as a as a main company. It's like a second party type of situation. So it won't be affecting that, at least as of now. It's always possible, of course, that Pokemon could be doing something that could make their change in the future. But as of now, it's nothing to worry about. So um, don't be concerned at this point. Based on what we know about this change for Nintendo specifically, this is more so for like the Smash community or for mario kart or what have you like things that are nintendo properties specifically right john r.i.p moment of silence for the competitive zelda community <laughs> <laughs> yeah the uh the, the fast building community there's got to be some sort of competitive thing for zelda right speed runs yeah so speed runs but yeah but that's not tournaments right yeah right uh, but this, I think, is, is a is, is a net positive for for the Pokemon community that it's not being impacted. So hopefully it stays that way and uh, let people just, you know, make their hundred bucks or 200 bucks for playing in a Pokemon tournament. If there's only, you know, like 50 people there. So uh, but cool. That is the news. 
So let's wrap it up there and turn over to the topic at hand, which is to discuss the Lille Regional that took place this past weekend in the country of France. Massive congratulations, first and foremost, to Simone Sanvito for winning the Lille Regional with a very powerful, powerful team. A um, lot going on with this regional, at least with the stream in particular, and how that all shook out. But we, of course, wanted just to congratulate them first off. Um, so before we get into everything, what are some uh, some thoughts that you guys had on the Leal Regional? Uh, John, you first. So I really appreciate uh, just the production quality of Victory Road. Uh, they've done a lot of European events. Um, I think I think they're like they're like the people that Pokemon uh, looks to to put on European events. So like your Spanish regionals, your Italian regional, your Italian events, all that kind of stuff. Uh, they do a really good job um, because so, for example, um, when Victory Road does stuff and they're and they have like two players on the screen on the stream, uh, you'll see both of their open team sheets. So you can see all the Pokemon, all the moves, all the items, all that kind of stuff that you would find on the open team sheet rather than just the six Pokemon and just the little icons at the bottom, uh, which I really appreciate so that, you know, you as the viewer can see exactly what the casters have as they're making predictions, you know, thinking about plays, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I also appreciate uh, like all the little sets that they have. They look dynamic rather than like the stock, you know, blue, green, red things that we have over in America. So uh, yeah, I really enjoy watching um, Victory Road streams, even if, you know, there are some, <laughs> some cases where, you know, you drop games or there's disconnects or stuff like that. Um, they they make for it makes for an excellent viewing experience, in my opinion. Yeah, the open team sheet was probably the best thing that I had never seen from a one of these streams. Because like I don't unfortunately get to watch a lot of the Victory Road stuff that comes out um, when the when they stream it on on their Twitch. So those th this is very cool, especially since like the Victory Road stream was coming directly from the Pokemon YouTube channel. So I don't think that typically happens because at least when, whenever I've seen the uh, like European regional be, be streamed, it's only ever on Twitch through Victory Road specifically. This mm -hmm. was like the first one for me that I'd seen that Pokemon was streaming it on their YouTube. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. I believe, um, so. I, I believe uh, so. Yeah, it's usually they just link their their thing but yeah that's pretty cool and like i i hope they continue this because i think that that was so great to be able to quickly look at it and be like oh that flutter main has parish song versus you know trick room or oh look at that you can you can even see the terror types and everything and like i get why they don't necessarily do it for the american stuff because there is that level of excitement of like oh what could there be maybe do you think that the opponent has something for this and it's like the casters know it and if like you're looking on rk9 you know it because you can see the team sheets so it's like it's just being unnecessarily difficult and like not showing it i thought that this was phenomenal to be able to like be able to see it and i think that was like one of the biggest takeaways for me for like as well yeah Absolutely. The uh, uh, the open team sheets definitely made a significant difference just seeing what we're getting into and the commentators were able to uh, just work off of that and be able to say, hey, see, this is actually uh, what they have. We can give this data immediately. Right. And it's like it was just it was a different, you know, coming from a different place of being like, yeah, we're just going to talk about we're going to talk about all of it. So you can sort of just have an idea of what you could potentially be looking to expect from the match. So I think that was that was very cool. Beyond that, though, and this wasn't Victory Road's fault. The disconnects that occurred were like just very unfortunate. There was just so many of them. It's like 
especially in the the top eight of Aurelian Sula versus Maxime Lebrun, the, like the the disconnect in, in game one and then game two and game three were just completely gone from the actual stream due to technical issues. It's like, that's unfortunate that that happens in a top eight situation. And I don't know, does it speak to the idea that like, there's gotta be a better way to have these connections? Like I've never had a disconnect issue when I'm doing a link battle with someone using a link code. What's uh, the issue with like these these cords? Like, it, is it the union's issue? Like, is that the problem? Well, I've actually had issues. I actually had issues at, at Peoria with both the link battle stuff and the union circle, like offline. I got, I think it was, um, I think it was five disconnects with somebody before we eventually were allowed to get on Wi Fi to finish our match for a sudden death. Um, so I think it really is. It's, it's just a netcode thing of the switch. Um, I will also say that the docs that they probably use are um, several years old at this point. <laughs> and uh, they're still keeping keeping track of which docs um, will keep people connected and which ones are kind of starting to fail. And unfortunately, sometimes you might find out that stuff is failing on stream <laughs> rather than beforehand. So I think it really is a is it's both an equipment issue and a and a programming issue within the game itself, to where it's just like really spotty, um, trying to keep everything connected the whole time. I'm not uh, super familiar with the full setups that they have at the regionals, but it's very possible that if they just don't have a strong enough networking system, that's just too many connections could also cause some issues. And that is uh, not really a issue with the game itself, but just with how they've uh, handled the event. Oh, I'll also say the little docs that they have. Um, if you, <laughs> if you move the table ever so slightly, it, they will disconnect. Unfortunately <laughs> that we had, I had two of those happen against the same guy and i was like oh i had no idea it was so finicky so yeah, yeah I, think, is... I think it's like an all the above kind of thing yeah well i mean they did i guess address it in the rules about how they want to handle that but sudden death just feels bad continued to be but um uh besides that kind of stuff though tim anything else jump out to you that you wanted to make note of um, I've just been kind of comparing some of the day one to day two and how some Pokemon fared. I just have to say poor Sinistra. It got uh, a pretty good amount of usage in day one. It uh, There was 41 Sinistra, so 7.7% usage. And I don't think there was a si there wasn't a single one that made it to day two. Its top placement was 104. It that it probably has the the worst conversion rates <laughs> of like of like a decently popular Pokemon that everybody thought was going to be good. It's just not cutting it. <laughs> I feel like all the top players have just realized that uh, that Rillaboom and Ogrepan and Amoongus are just better grass options, and so a lot of the people using Sinistra are just not the as high placing players and so as a result it just ended up just with a horrible performance yeah and you and you, we really need to rethink how you want to use sinistra to like convince people that it's worth running because clearly what we're doing is not working <laughs> <laughs> like it's almost working but it's not working well there's something that we were talking about in the pre-show that that john you brought up that i think is very important here Hard Trick Room just isn't doing as well. And you mentioned Fairy Heatran. And like, Sinistra kind of folds to that. You know? Like, it, it can't hit it in its normal form, really. And then it's... Like, it's able to set Trick Room, which is nice because of, you know, fake-out support from something like, you know, Iron Hands or whatever. But then it doesn't really have much else that it can do outside of, like, Strength Sap. But you're not really doing anything much to a heatran 
So it's like it doesn't really fit the role that you would maybe want it to. So then it's relegated to like switch in for hospitality and strength sap stuff. But it's almost like you're just not getting the return that you would want on a turn to turn basis because of, you know, that's like much more passive and it forces you to switch out and like then take damage and, and what have you, as opposed to doing just immediate pressure or redirection or something like that, such as a Rillaboom or an Ogre Pond or even an Amoongus can offer you. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you also think about its signature move, Macha Gacha, it's only 80 base power, but it's also a spread move. So it's actually 60 base power on two, on two Mons. Which, that can miss. Well, that can miss. And so that's like a that's like a rock slide Lando issue of it's a low base power move off of you know a decently high offensive stat, but it, it's ultimately just low base power moves. Um, and like you said, Jake, um if you have that if you don't have a whole lot of damage output coming out of this Pokemon, you're not really gonna be using it under hard trick room teams, you're gonna be using it on a kind of hybrid trick room team. But even then, you're competing with other hybrid trick room options like Ferrigarath or Cresselia, um, which can do a lot more with their trick room options and offer more support to the team in other ways. Um, yeah, so it's it Sinister's in, the, in a really weird spot of like we don't know what to do with it, <laughs> and we don't know how to act. You know what its real niche in the metagame is right now. Um, but that'll be cool if and when somebody figures that out but yeah as you guys said trick room just seems to really be struggling the uh, uh you have uh who can set it Cresselia who can set it and armadidi those two can set it those are probably the most popular trick room setters at the moment and and dust clops don't forget that sorry yes and dust clops thank you <laughs> but looking at a lot of these teams uh even uh, the number 10, Eric Rios, who is running Cresselia. It's not a trick room team. It's very much just, I want to run trick room to counter you running Tailwind. Yeah. And in, I think we saw at Sacramento that Brian Collins had a size spam team and he was the one who got, who got his Gallade taken from him. Um, but we're still not at a state. And, you know, you see Armourers and Didi, you see Ursula Luna, you see like, hard trick room teams in results like they're still getting points they're still making day two but there's just not a lot of people that are trusting the archetype and there's not a lot of people with the archetype doing that well um so so clearly people can use trick room but you have to actually solve the issues of first of all terra fairy heatran and earlier we mentioned uh world cup stuff on a couple of i think it was for rigoraf teams uh, I, th I saw a couple of Japanese players, and I think like a Brazilian player or something, use Dragalge, of all things, which is a dragon and poison type, super slow under Trick Room, but it has both um, stab poison moves and adaptability, which increases your stab options to two times rather than 1.5 times. So it's almost like you're hitting for weakness every time you use a stab move. And Dragalge is a special attacker, so it doesn't care about Intimidate. It has stab poison moves to kill all the Ogre Pawns, it resists all the main ogre ponds that you're going to see, and it has scald or hydro pump to hit uh, Heatran under tr under Trick Room. So Heatran before it terras can get hit by a water move. Tr uh, Heatran after it terras can hit uh, get hit by a sludge bomb. So Dragalge is one of these possible techs for Trick Room to use to get around the Heatran issue, and kind of the, sort of the chi the Chiyu issue. Um, but I also saw. Okie dokie of all things, whose um, stab fighting moves are good into Chiyu and Heatran, and whose stab poison moves are great into your Terra Fairy or sometimes still Terra Grass Flash Fire mods. Um, and we also saw Gallade on Brian Collins' team. So there's like, I think there's options and there's inspiration for Trick Room to innovate itself. Um, but I think people still need to keep spinning their wheels to figure out how do I get around these flow chart issues? How do I get around these particular uh, Pokemon who are roadblocks right now? And is this, is this archetype just worth trusting in? <laughs> right. That's the big issue. Is it worth trusting in right now? Or 
am I better off more often than not just running some offensive tailwind team? I think one of the the issues when I was running Armadidi in regulation D was uh, you have a lot of uh, a lot of the teams that we see at the moment are quite bulky and with proper pivoting to get um um Landorus in for intimidate as well as just goods bulk and protects they're very good at stalling out the trick room. And so Urshifu does a fantastic job of being able to say, hey, you can't just protect to stall us out, but Urshifu single strike is no longer as viable for that, given that Heatran is now commonly running Terra Ferry, which hardwalls that. Yeah. And uh, if you tr you can run Okidogi to kind of fill that spot, but now you have <laughs> two fighting types that really don't like the size span matchup and kind of don't care much for Fluttermane, right? Um, so every time you have these texts to help your other texts, <laughs> you're giving up other matchups. And that's always the yeah. game we play, right? Is you're trying to figure out what what's going to be that meta call and what matchup is most important that you need to be able to account for. And then hopefully you dodge the other ones that you don't. And if you are successful <laughs> in dodging those bad matchups, you might end up in the top eight which is what these fine players were able to do. Rounding out the top eight for the Leo Regional, we have uh, Simone Sanvito, Aurelian Sula, Taryn Birdie, Miguel Marti, Maurice Uteg, Marco Silva, Miguel Paquete, and Maxime Lebrun. All with very interesting teams, definitely some things that are uh, significant that are dotting within there, some like uh, cool picks and whatnot. So what we'll do is we'll talk about the top two teams and then kind of just uh, break down the rest of the top eight based on things that we see that we want to make note of. So the champion team, Simone Sanvito, brought Booster Energy Flutter with three attacks and protect. Focus Sash Chen Pao with Icicle Crash over Ice, Ice Spinner. Um... Rocky Helmet, Tornadus with Bleak Wind Storm, Rain Dance, Tailwind, and Taunt. Assault Vest, Rillaboom, Mystic Water, Urshifu Rapid Strike, as opposed to the Choice Scarf that we had been seeing with uh, Surging Strikes, Aqua Jet, Close Combat, and Detect. And Choice Band, Terra Normal, E-Speed, Arcanine, Hisuian Form, with E-Speed, Rock Slide, Flare Blitz, and Head Smash. This is a powerful team. This is like reminiscent of that early regulation D team with Tornadus, Fluttermane, and Urshifu Rapid Strike. And then Chen Pao was also on there because of the fact that it pairs so well with Urshifu Rapid Strike. And then Arcanine is there for like that Intimidate, that super high DPS with Choice Band. It's... This is one of those teams that you look at and you're just like, man, I could get hit by a lot of stuff and I don't know what's coming at me. Yep. I mean, if you look at this team and compare it to, because I think this was ran by Hirofumi, oh, what's his last name? Hirofumi something or not, something or another at Worlds. And then I think another player, another Japanese player at Worlds. But I think Hirofumi had a Life Orb. Uh, Terra Poison Chin Power or something like that and then like a Specs Fluttermane. So it's like the same six, just a bit different. Um, and I'm pretty sure the Fluttermane is Booster's uh, special attack, not speed. I could be wrong on that. Um, but I think the coolest thing on this team is the Rocky Helmet No Protect Tornadus um, because I mean, it's Terra Steel because it's a good defensive type and whatever. But the idea with Covert Cloak is usually to deter... Um, fake outs to ignore um, icy wind drops. And this Tornadus is going to feel those icy wind drops. It's going to feel the snarls, but it actually punishes you more for clicking fake out into it. Because if you click fake out, you have to take, you know, one sixth of your health as payment for it. So it actually fulfills the job of Covert Cloak while also giving you a bit more bang for your buck. Um, than just Covert Cloak would be able to give you, which I think is a really cool way to think about the game is how do I get the effect that I want, which is avoid fake out, avoid intimidate, avoid whatever I want to avoid, 
but also win more with it. So for example, on some of these other teams, we'll see like a life orb Heatran on a team with Rillaboom on it. Well, why would you do that? Well, you kind of already have leftovers from the grassy terrain, but you also get the power of life orb plus leftovers in the same mod. Um, so it's really cool to see that kind of thinking in the champion team here. And it's cool to note that the, this is like a reg D team, except for grassy glide. Like this, this team was fully legal in regulation D. Uh, so it's interesting to see that we didn't have to have an ogre pond to win this event. Yeah. Not only not on this team, but no ogre pond in finals at all, as we'll get to when we talk about Aurelian's team. But yeah, I think the, the tornadoes is cool. Cause it's like, that's also kind of the only support mon in a way because everything else is just like pure damage. I mean, sure, there's there's fake out on Rillaboom, there's intimidate on with Arcanine and the and the flinch chance with Rock Slide and the passive support from you know Sword of Ruin on Chen Pao, but otherwise just like let's let's set Tailwind and let's just like end this game quickly. And the team is bulky enough to be able to or like it's strong enough to be able to do that while also having enough protects on there to be able to outlast trick room if you need to it's totally. uh it looks pretty fun i will say too that i also with the tornadoes is having rain dance on there is so fascinating because you typically see you know like when you have a bunch of protosynth like when you have a protosynthesis mon like Fluttermane, you want to set that sun to be able to boost its, you know, speed or special attack or whatever. And you, mm -hmm. you know, pair it with like a Chi Yu or something like that. But because of the fact that it's boosters, uh, speed, booster energy on Fluttermane, you don't need the sun to be able to do that. So the rain dance is then able to benefit the Chen Pao, the Rillaboom, and the Urshifu Rapid Strike because of the, you know, whether it's the defensive or the offensive capability that the rain is able to provide. So it's like, the Torn is really set up to be able to support every single mode of this team. And I think that's just extremely well done. Totally. And I, I was doing some analysis of like past metagames. I'm like, you know, predicting in some way, like what were the good teams that we would should expect to see in regulation E. Um, and I was noticing that I think regulation C was the only real format where we could have balance work on like a broader scale. Cause we had balance in, in some form in regulation B and kind of sort of in regulation D, but regulation C we had Ting Lu, who was kind of like the centerpiece for controlling both the physical and special side, along with Arcanine to control physical damage. Well, now that we have Urshifu in regulation D and we have a really great set of grass types in Ogre Pond in regulation E, you know, Ting Lu is kind of just out of the metagame and we really don't have a, a good, a set of tools yet um, that we're using on mass to control damage. So it'll be interesting to see does regulation E continue to be like an offensive game where we have, you know, these teams where we have, you know, just five attackers or it, are we going to learn how to control the game at some point? That is the question. What about you, Tim? Anything about this team uh, stick out to you? Not a whole lot. It's a it's a very solid regulation D team. And as you said, it feels like very early regulation D that this was what people initially came up with before shifting through several different iterations. I will say that the uh, Hisui Arcanine running the uh, uh, Terra Normal is pretty interesting. There was only uh, six Arcanine that were running Terra Normal. Most of them were running Terra Fairy or Terra Grass. And he decided, no, I just want to smack as hard as I possibly can with Extreme Speed, and I respect it. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. It's able to do so, because it's like, you know, it doesn't need Tailwind, but if you want to give it to it, then sure. Um, that's uh, That was a very, very strong pick, for sure. Um, moving on to the second place team, Aurelian Sula. Brought AV Heatran. There's that Terra Fairy on it. Choice Scarf, Rapid Strike, Urshifu. Rocky Helmet for Rigoraf, which is uh, Dazzling Gleam, Helping Hand, Psychic, and Trick Room. Choice Band, Dragonite with your Chen Pao. And then Miracle Seed, Rillaboom with the Terra Grass. 
So just right off the bat, that's the one that has uh, sticks out to me. The the Miracle Seed Terratype Rillaboom. That Woodhammer or Grassy Glide is so incredibly strong. It's like they had to nerf Grassy Glide. And it otherwise it would be just one shotting Heatrans. It, like it's the combination of all three of those with the stab, the miracle seed, and the the grassy glide or like the grass terra, plus being in the grassy terrain. That Rillaboom set is so incredibly strong. And it's uh it plays well in this team because it's like when you have the Farigaraph, you're able to shut down opposing Rillabooms because of their grassy glide. You're able to shut down opposing Pal Knights because you control the priority. And uh that's the aspect of the team that that really stick, that I really like because it's like it's again using Rillaboom in a different way where it's like this is going to be one of my heavy hitting Pokemon and you set it next to a Chen Pao or you give it a helping hand boost and it's just it's just completely destroying things. What about you, Tim? Anything about this team that uh, you want to talk about? Uh, I mean, as you said, with the nerf to Grassy Glide, Rillaboom really does want that Miracle Seed just to make sure that he's hitting as hard as possible with that. And we absolutely saw that. We saw it's just uh, annihilating Fluttermane with priority, which is just incredible. Um, the Terra Fairy Heatran has just been an absolute menace in Regulation E. The uh, Frigoraph will win a regional someday. Not not today, not at Worlds, someday. <laughs> and the Choice Band Dragonite, there's nothing really that surprising there. But I, I will note that we usually see it run, or actually, since it's Choice Band, it has to lock into a move. It will usually uh, lock into Extreme Speed, Aerial Ace, sometimes Stomping Tantrum. You almost never see that Outrage anymore. But I do love when they click that. It's it's a fun move to say, hey, I'm just, I don't know who I'm going to smack, but I'm going to smack something very hard. <laughs> Yeah, the outrage is, is really is really strong. And it's funny too, because it's like with Terra Fairy Heatran coming up a lot more, you know, teams having Terra Fairy on there as well as like Fluttermane in, in many situations. It's like you are running the risk that you are going to have a completely ineffective turn and be locked in because of it. But if it does hit something, it just absolutely just obliterates it. Um what about you, John? Any additional notes on this one? So for the Desklops enjoyers uh, in this podcast, if you are a specially defensive Dusclops, so you have like 252 HP and about 124 defense, um, which is like the normal if you're like kind of splitting your EVs and your defenses, uh, your Terra Grass and Grassy Terrain, Miracle Seed, Grass uh, I already say grass terror with uh Chan power on the field wood hammer. So like all the bonuses that you could have on the team, if you stack all of them together, your dust clops is going to get one hit KO'd almost all the time. Jeez, <laughs> oh, wow. I had that happen at my locals. That's, That's why I kind of know that. And even if you go like all the way, super bulk, like you can live it. If you go like basically max physical bulk, you know, bold nature, whatever on dust clops, but like, the, you you have lines. Let me just say you have lines with with this team, uh, with Rillaboom specifically, um, and so that's why you would have. That's why you can move the assault vest off of Rillaboom is because you don't need Rillaboom to bulk out stuff under Trick Room if you can literally just KO the Trick Room Center. <laughs> um, I think the other another cool thing about this team is we mentioned the World Cup earlier, um, and. That Pokemon is a global game, and this team actually came from Rinya Kobayashi, who was famous for pioneering the Rinya Sun team back in Sword and Shield in Series 12. And just like that team, um, this team was featured on a Japanese website called Liberty Note, which records the top like 30 uh, Battle Stadium doubles teams at the end of every month. And Rinya Sun was one of those teams back in the day. And this team, this six Pokemon with these six moves was also um, featured, I think, on that website like last month. 
So a few players ran it at this tournament. A few players saw that he got like third on the ladder at the end of the month, which is really, really, really good, by the way, because it's harder to get higher on the ladder at the end of the month. So um, this is a good example of looking for inspiration for your teams, not just in your own community or your own discord, but like internationally. Um, and it's really cool to see that it not only did well, it got, it got second place, it got finals. So uh, we might have another Rinya Sun kind of team. Although in this case, it's kind of like Rinya Pow Knight or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, and on the Terra Fairy Heatran note, we'll, we'll get into this probably with the other teams, but just to let y'all know, there are half of top four or half of top cup, which is eight players. That's So that's four players in total have Terra Fairy Heatran. That's dominating. <laughs> that should tell you how good this Pokemon is right now and why you should probably consider putting it on your team. Yeah, or at least if not, if, if nothing else, prepare to be ex like facing it on a mm -hmm. fairly routine basis. And I will say, for those worried about the lack of protect on um, Heatran, you have uh, two. You have a ground immunity and uh, a ground resist on this team. To and your ground immunity is Dragonite, so you can actually snipe those Landorus's that uh, cause you a lot of grief. Your wood hammer is going to really dent iron hands because of the whole Qian Pao situation. Um, so Assault Vest Heatran with a lot of offensive coverage is actually really nice into Heatran's would-be counters. So you're not actually missing Protect a lot of times. It does take some getting used to. But if you're like, why is how did this AV Heatran get, get second place? Um, it's just a really bulky Pokemon. That's why. <laughs> And it makes it even harder to take down with this old vest. And also frees you frees up the ability to have that fourth slot be Terra Blast, like mm -hmm. it is in this situation. So it's like, and I love Terra Blast on special attackers because you can use it either for that fairy damage, which is great, or if you need to, if you're not able to hit, you know, what's in front of you for whatever reason with fire, steel, or ground, you do have normal coverage. And it's like, normal is just, it's decent if in an absolute pinch, but that uh fire fairy Pokemon doesn't exist yet, but in this situation it will. So mm -hmm. that's nice. I think the last note is probably uh how Furigraph is teched out to be a Pokemon that punishes you for both ignoring it and not ignoring it. Yeah. Right? Because it has that rocky helmet and usually you want to hit it with physical attacks. Uh so kind of like the tornadoes, like if you smack it, you're gonna get punished for it. But if you ignore it, it can use Helping Hand uh, so that it actually can help its partner do a ton of damage. So like Helping Hand, Terra Water, Surging Strikes off your Scarf first if you can just take out stuff. Yeah. Or Helping Hand Extreme Speed can take out stuff, stuff like that. Um, so sometimes we'll, we'll have Pokemon that just sit on the field and don't do a whole lot. So sticking you know, Helping Hands on there, sticking Annoying Moves like Yawn on there, sticking Rocky Helmets on there... Um, is how you might find a little bit more success um, when building your teams. Sure, for sure. Okay, so that was the finals of the Leal Regional. Let's expand out to the remaining six teams of the top eight. Some that stick out to me. We see a Gothitelle in fourth place, Iron Bundle in fifth, Roaring Moon in sixth, but and then you know Glim Dozo in seven. But I think for me it's uh, Maximus team in eighth that I really wanted to look at a little bit further because it's you know it's it's a weather team yes, but it's it's snow and it's loaded dice backs caliber with icicle spear scale shot and swords dance so you can you know, increase your your attack with Swords Dance and then you get your speed boost with Scale Shot. And because of Loaded Dice, you're just constantly hitting for, you know, at least four times with Icicle Spear and Scale Shot. Wellspring, uh, Ogre Pond, it's playing like an offensive support role. Choice Scarf Lando, you got your Black Glasses, King Gambit, uh, Nine Tails for Aurora Veil, and then your Assault Vest, Rillaboom, with uh, fake out wood hammer, grassy glide, and height horsepower, I don't know. I just I, I I like the I like the snow archetype. I can see why it you know came in eighth as it it can get shut down pretty easily. It's another one that doesn't really have anything into 
Ferry Terra Heatran. So that is certainly a big concern there. But I think it's just a cool team combining a bunch of different, you know, big players from over the over this you know last few weeks that we've seen whether it's like the king gambit the the scarf uh lando t uh wellspring ogre pond i don't know i just think it's a it's a cool team i don't know how i would necessarily make it much better without you know we're just right off the spot but i like it a lot just from the using bax caliber is always cool to me and you also have uh the terrifier which helps get back some of the utility that you drop for running ice body because thermal exchange normally increases your attack for getting hit by fire moves, but importantly prevents burns. Um, but you actually have a burn tech in your terror type. So in case you find the one player using Will-O-Wisp, uh, you actually have that tech available to you, which I think is cool. Agreed. Agreed. What's the team in the top eight that sticks out to you, John, that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, uh, so Miguel's team in top four, the Gothitelle team. So Gothitelle hyper offense stuff. Um, ever since Gothitelle got fake out in uh, Generation 8 and Sword and Shield, um, it was really nice to have next to stuff like Urshifu, Regieleki, Rillaboom, um, Glastrier, and there's something other else on the hyper offense team. But the idea was you basically make your opponent... Uh, choose which lead they want to be stuck with and if they choose wrong you get to punish them really 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 hard um we haven't really seen that same type of thing come up until miguel brought this team so you have gothitelle and then your choice of attackers that your opponent does not want to see right so you can lock in for example um something like a rillaboom against your own ogre pond fire form well unless they have you turned they're stuck in or you can lock in a Landorus with your Dragonite, and now they're stuck in, right? And you can even switch out your Gothitelle to get your Qian Pao in, so now your physical attacker can just absolutely dumpster whatever's on the other side. Um, so I really like that it's a flexible team, even though it looks like it's just hitting really, 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 really hard. And Gothitelle is a really hard counter to Amoongus, who really shuts down um, your hyper-offense teams. Because Gothitelle has stabbed Psychic into Amoongus. So you can actually, and I, I think this is featured on stream a couple times where Gothitelle just basically one hit or or chunked down the rest of Amoongus's HP um, and was able to, you know, make sure that uh, the rest of the team wasn't going to go to sleep. That's really cool. And also, too, um, one of the Pokemon that would not be able to be trapped would be like Goldengo, right? But mm -hmm. I'm looking at the the top cut teams, only two Goldango in all of the 48. So you're getting a ton of utility out of that shadow tag because things like Goldango and I mean, sure, there's one Spectriere, one Sarah Ledge, and only there's a bunch of Fluttermanes. Sure, <laughs> Fluttermane is there, but like you're all you're already you're already accounting for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like the fact that you're then able to get a bunch of additional Pokemon on a team that like the, the rest of the five, there's a good chance that you're going to be able to trap every single one of those. Mm -hmm. So that's really good value when you then surround it by like a bunch of heavy hitters like they've done here. And you actually have, you know, your Urshifu, your Fire Ogre Pond, your Chien Pao, all of which can deal with your um, ghost type attackers. So you have ways to eliminate all of your opponent's options to uh, to switch out. Right. Right. It's like, yeah, stay in and get hurt or switch out. And that that's that slot still gets drilled anyways. All right, Tim, you're up. Top eight team that you like. Uh, well, since you mentioned Amoongus, I think it's worth mentioning Marco Silva, who had the only Amoongus in top eight. The I only mean, one. Can't We've definitely been seeing Amoongus struggling a bit in usage lately, just uh, trying to compete with Overpun and Rillaboom, but it definitely cannot be dismissed. It managed to get uh, sixth place, so it's still a threat. And then alongside that, he's also running only or uh, Roaring Moon, only one of two that made it to day two. So it is... Uh, I really like the set. The it, It's been... Going around for a while, acrobatics, knockoff, dragon dance, protect, but it can just hit things so hard, 
and the team does not really have any speed control. It's really just relying on the booster energy from Roaring Moon and the Choice Scarf on Landorus. So they're just kind of relying on being able to uh, bank on outstalling the Tailwind or just uh, being able to redirect with Amoongus. So I find it really uh, like a really interesting team that you need to play pretty smart. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, John, you had some additional stuff on Amoongus based on some of the conversion rates that you had posted earlier. Yeah, so that's the interesting thing about Amoongus is that you're totally right, Tim. It has a much lower usage than it than it does in previous uh, regulations and previous, um, yeah, just previous regulations. The, these few tournaments have been hovering around like 10 to, or like 8 to 10% usage overall. Um, but if you look at the conversion rates from like overall usage to day two, you to day two cut to how many show up in top cut or get points. I know Mungus is pretty consistent It either goes up in terms of the share of day two stuff or a CP stuff, or it stays about the same. So it's interesting that Amoongus when it's used is still converting. Well, it's just not one of those mons that's going to like carry your run. It seems Right. So it's not like a King Gambit or like an Iron Bundle or something like that that has both low usage but really, really high conversion rates. Um, which I think you know makes sense of like if you're the person who's using Amoongus, you're probably one of a few, but you also uh, uh, you also probably know how to use it correctly. So you shouldn't be surprised when a player like Marco Silva, who's play, been playing balance for almost a year now, um, you shouldn't be surprised when. He does well with Amoongus because he knows how to use Amoongus. Um, but I think gone are the days. And this is one of the reasons why I think Reggie is going to stay a offensive meta rather than like a balancing meta is specifically because we lost Ting Lu in Reg D. And now we're really losing Amoongus as like a, a huge metagame presence that are, that's allowing you, people to control the game with like spores and redirection and that kind of thing. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if you know, people prove us wrong and say, hey, Amoongus is like a good mod now and Amoongus can carry your run. Um, but that remains to be seen. Yeah, I'm curious how how it's going to continue to play because it is, it, it seems that like when, when people bring it, it's it's something that people kind of like, not, not necessarily forgot about, but it continues to get your results. And I think that that's certainly continued like to work, to work through it's an interesting time for Pokemon because there are a ton of grass types that all do very different things. Whereas, you know, in the past, it's kind of like just been not as many to pick from. And I think certainly adding Ogre Pond and then, of course, Rillaboom um, with Amoongus is uh, interesting to see how they're all going to continue to find their own space in the various teams and the meta and whatnot. Um. Some of the other teams that we didn't get a chance to talk about. Uh, Maurice Uteg came in fifth with Fire Ogapon, Iron Bundle, Rillaboom, Iron Hands, Landorus, and Heatran. And then coming in third, Terran Birdie with uh, Water Ogapon, Fluttermane, Heatran, Iron Hands, Tornadus, and Urshifu. Uh, un- Urshifu Dark. So, uh, that's the top eight. We've talked a lot about also just like the meta in general from Leal. Anything else that you guys wanted to cover that we haven't talked about as of now? I think there's two uh, interesting things to discuss and looking at the day one usage compared to the day two usage. Uh, looking at the day one, we saw that Ogrepan Wellspring was fourth in usage with 38%. But if we look at the day two, Urshifu Rapid Strike has actually surpassed it. There is 18 Urshifu Rapid Strike and only 15 Ogre Ponds. And you can see that in the top eight that the top two teams had Urshifu Rapid Strike and only the third team had Wellspring. So I'm a little bit curious if it's uh, new toy syndromes just starting to wear off a little bit in Regulation E and people are starting to go back to Urshifu or if we'll have to see what happens in Toronto. Yeah, I'm curious to see how that does. I'm curious to see if uh, Homo comes back 
Um, it did reach 10th on Eric Rio's team. Um, but that'll be maybe something to look for as well. Anything for you, John? Yeah, I think uh, something that's kind of weird is that the only Pokemon to win every regulation E event so far is Hisui Arcanine. <laughs> huh. Right? It's not, Landorus has not won a single event. Uh, Tornadus has, has won, I think, two of them. But uh, Hisui Arcanine, of all things, is the one that's been on these teams. And I think that speaks more to, I think that speaks both to um, it's good matchup spread into the metagame, but also it's flexibility of sets, right? Because you can have your choice band set that's just whacking things really hard and with really high base power moves. So like a flare bit, flare blitz, uh, your stab rock slide, your extreme speeds, all that kind of stuff. Um, but we also saw at Sacramento that you could also use a Will-O-Wisp set or you could use a Howl set, right? So you can have both like the supportive roles and your offensive roles, both with the same Pokemon. So I think it, it fits on a lot of different teams as this flexible intimidate support, mm-hmm. um, despite it's fighting weakness and it's two, four times weaknesses to water and ground. Like a lot of people focus on like, Oh, it has two, you know, really bad weaknesses and Urshifu waters in the metagame. Right. And so you're like, it must be a bad Pokemon. Well, first of all, we have Terra to allow us to change our types now. But second of all, you can just switch, right? So a mon with crippling weaknesses of a mon with crippling bulk is not necessarily bad because of those weaknesses. Um, it's only bad if it has no other redeeming qualities. And clearly the best doggo has plenty of redeeming qualities to him. Um, so I'm excited to see, you know, how can Arcanine possibly slow down the game, right? Is Hisui Arcanine actually the balance piece that we've needed instead of Amoongus? Um, can it contribute to slowing down the game? You know, because it has Intimidate. You, we just never know. Um, so I'm interested to see how that Mon gets labbed out and put on all these different teams going forward. Especially to, to, to Toronto, I think, this weekend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hisui and Arcanine is a very interesting study because of Terra and like how, you know, without it, maybe it's not there because it just dies to an Aqua Jet. But it's like it just offers so much additional benefit to a team. And fire and rock are often considered phenomenal offensive types. And you put it on something fast like this and you give it spread damage, you give it intimidate, you give it like high damage moves with like flare blitz and whatnot. And, uh, it's going to continue to perform well. And then you're able to set it up, you know, things around it, like Rillaboom to set grassy terrain, Tornadus for, you know, tailwind support. It's, it's a very, very good Mon right now in the meta for sure. Um, But cool. Okay. So yes. So we're going to start wrapping up a bit. We do have Toronto coming up. Tim, you are going to be going to Toronto as a spectator, correct? Not as a competitor. That is correct. I haven't okay. really had time to figure out a uh, regulation E team, but definitely going to go there and just have a good time watching everyone else have uh, or uh, compete and struggle. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, good luck. Don't uh, trip over anything and cause sudden death because that would, um, and I mean that in the sense of like the game's not necessarily tripping over something and, you know, sudden mm-hmm. deathing somebody else, but. <laughs> um but cool so thank you guys both for coming on i do appreciate it as always it's always good to talk to you both and of course tim uh massive congratulations again with lab mouse rollout everyone please go use that we'll certainly be including the link in the show notes it is one of the most phenomenal tools i've ever seen for pokemon um team building and analytics and you've done such a great job with it tim so Thank you very much for uh, for doing so for the community, for sure. Thank you. I'm so glad that you guys are enjoying using it. Yeah. And with that, we'll say our goodbyes. John, you first. Monkey Nation, rise up. <laughs> Tim? Uh, the Sclops PP pressure is viable now. Yes, it is. <laughs>
Oh man, that's that's the world they wanted when uh, we went to open team sheet because Frisk is no longer important. So might as well just pressure stall. So it matters how long your PP is. Yes. So get those PP ups. <laughs> get those PPs up. And with that, I hope everyone having a great time. Enjoyed it. Enjoy the rest of your day. Class dismissed. Dismissed.